Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Take your Bibles with me and go to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Thank you for letting us skip out church on Wednesday night. My uh, sister-in-law, Dana, uh, her husband, that are, are campus pastors at the University of Arkansas. Many of you know them. She got promoted to heaven uh, this past week, and so we had her funeral Tuesday and uh, viewing Tuesday and the funeral on Wednesday. And so just pray for that family. Uh, many people are always excited when somebody gets their promotion, but uh, for those of us that are left behind and we hadn't made it there yet, there's just that sense of loss. And, and uh, so pray for them as people begin to go home and... and um, and you understand that when the house gets quiet and people go back to their, their routine, just pray for that family, and I know God will help them. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse number 1, it's the story of, um, of the birth of Samuel. Now, we've been kind of talking about the last several weeks about perseverance and endurance. Now, it's probably been four or five weeks. Some of you are wondering, when are we going to get through this topic of endurance? If you'll just endure one more service, one more sermon, we'll get through it. We've talked about how tough it is sometimes to endure people. Boy, it was awful quiet there. We talked about sometimes how it's t- t- challenging to endure the, the challenges of life. And today I want to talk to you about enduring tragedy. When tragic circumstances come to your life, and, and we get to read about it and see the similarities in the, in the, in the birth of Samuel. So if you're there in the, the King James Version that's new, it's chapter 1, verse number 1 is where we'll start. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the other was Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. The two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, with the priests of the Lord, were there as well. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Panina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah although the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. And therefore, she wept and did not eat. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to step into your word and learn and grow as believers in Jesus. Once again, thank you, God, that you walk us down the roads of life and you, sometimes you lead us from glory to glory, but there's also valleys that we go through. And there's times we have to have a, an idea of how to function when we're in that valley and those dire circumstances. And thank you that you've even answered that question. So I once again thank you for the anointing. Thank you for our hearts are ready to receive what you have for us. I pray against distraction, anything that would take away from the preciousness of your word. And I love you for it all. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Now, here's some players as we read this story, and we'll go through each one of the players of this story, and then we'll find out what God did. First of all, it's the birth of Samuel. Now, Samuel, of course, we know is one of the mightiest prophets of the Old Testament. 
He was a, um, actually it even says that he was such, such a mighty man of God that people would be terrified when he'd walk into their city because he was a prophet of the love of God, but he was also a prophet of the wrath of God. And so when Samuel came into town, it was kind of like, oh, wait a minute, why'd you come here? Even today in Judaism, he's one of the most revered prophets of, uh, of Judaism today. And so he was a mighty man of God is talking about his humble beginnings. Now, first the player is Elkanah. Elkanah is the father of Samuel. He's a godly man as we read here. He goes every year to the temple. He goes to sacrifice. He goes to worship the Lord. He does things the right way. He loves God. He has two wives, which is probably his first problem. Do you know why in the Old Testament they had multiple wives and in the New Testament they have only one wife? Because we realize it don't work. And we see this that in the book of Samuel that Elkanah has, these, has two wives and one of the wives is Hannah. The other is Penina. Hannah has a problem. As, we, as, as the story opens with, she has no children. Her sister wife, I guess that's how you would call it, has multiple children. And so the, multiple, the woman with multiple children realizes that her husband is really in love with her sister wife. And so she gets jealous of it and she begins to provoke her because she has children. And every year when they go to God's house, that's when she begins to provoke her. And it's tragic for Hannah, isn't it? To, be, uh, to only want one thing is to give your husband uh, children. You can't do the one thing you want to do for him. And not only that, but her adversary taunts her. And it's a tough question, and it's something we talk about today is it asks the universal question, why do sometimes bad things happen to good people? And these were obviously godly people, church-going people, people who love the Lord. And that question, I guess, no matter how long we live this life, it's always in the forefront of our mind is why does tough times happen to good people when God's so very good? There was a story. I have a pastor friend. He's a chaplain. And he told, tells the story of a lady by the name of Precious he used to go visit in the hospital. Yeah, chaplains, if you've ever been to the hospital, they come by every so often on a regular basis and they just check in, see if there's anything they can pray with you about. He said, but Precious always called for him. She was an older black lady. He could tell she just loved the Lord. And she had a tough life. She had, her first husband had, had, had passed away. Her second husband had passed away. She had children who were away from God. She was obviously a godly woman. She had given, been given a terminal disease. He said, and the last time she called for me was two weeks before she passed. He said, so I went in and sat down and talked to Precious. And as I talked to Precious, he said, I, she, she said something to me. He said, it almost changed my entire theology just like that. She said, there are some days, and sometimes life is not very good. She said, but the one thing we do know is that God is always good. Even when we don't understand Him, He is always good. She said, and that's why we can come to Him. See, here's the thing about God is even in the tragic times of life, He's always there. The Bible says He's close to the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. We wonder how a God of grace and mercy could ever cause bad things to happen. And the reason is, is because He's a God of grace and mercy. We all want to be the person who gives grace and mercy to somebody else, but we never want to talk about to be the person who receives the grace and the mercy. 
But listen, no matter what tragic circumstances you and I face, I want you to know I know somebody who will always go through it with you. And if you don't believe it, you just ask precious. The problem with tragic circumstances, as we read here, is it seems to be there's always an enemy to remind us of our tragic circumstances. Do you see Panina here? Why does she have to go and do that? Why does she have to be like that? She had plenty of kids. They had to share the same husband. And yet for some reason she had to make sure she pointed out to Hannah that she didn't have any children. It says this in verse 6, And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. See, even Jesus was provoked by Satan. You remember the story in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus goes and he's in the desert and he hasn't eaten for 40 days. Remember the story. And he goes in there and as a matter of fact, when he gets done, Satan comes to him. And what's the first thing he says to him after he's been fasting for 40 days and hadn't had anything to eat? What does he say to him? If you're the son of God, why don't you go help yourself and get something to eat? Jesus knew he was hungry. Satan knew he was hungry. But Satan somehow had to point out the fact that Jesus was hungry to a man who was already down. It ticks me off when somebody kicks a man or a woman while they're down. Doesn't it bother you when people kick people who are already down? And that's what I see here with Jesus. That's what I see here with Hannah is that they're already down, but I just got to take the knife and turn it a little bit while they're down. Let me tell you something. If you want to do, sometimes, if, you want, if Satan starts to remind you of the dire situations you're in, why don't you start reminding him of the dire situation that he's in as well? I'll even give you the scripture to, to use. Revelation 20:10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the frost prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. If you ever want to tell the devil, if he starts talking to you about using your circumstances against you, why don't you go, to, to go ahead and tell him about his circumstances? Because there's a hell that's waiting for him, and the Bible says he's going to be tormented forever and ever and ever. I don't know what that does, but that makes me feel better. Sometimes we see here, it just seems that there are those that come and they cause problems when we're already having problems. There's a difficulty of unfortunate circumstances is that sometimes there are constant reminders of the tragedy we've been through. Look at here, verse number 4. And when the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. What do you think every year, picture this in your mind, they go to the church, they go to the temple every year, the husband gives portions to his wife and his children, but because he loves Hannah, he gives double portions. What do you think that reminds Hannah of every single year? The fact that I'm barren and can't have children. Do you understand there are times when things happen in life and we're constantly reminded of the things that we've lost, constantly reminded of the tough seasons that we're going through? seems like there's that recurring event to remind us of the difficult circumstances. It's when the friends that call on anniversaries, it's when the holiday that doesn't ever go away. It's having to drive by, by that, that drive by the job where you got fired at or drive by the girlfriend that dumped you. When you're constantly reminded of the situation you went through. When we came back, we got, we got asked to leave our, the church we pastored before we came here. I never told you all that when we interviewed, but we did. We got asked to leave, got voted out. And when we came here, it was tragic. It was horrible, worst thing I'd ever been through. 
And uh, when we came back, we, we came back to our home church, and we stayed there. And, and, and during, we, just, we were just really just, we're just church, church family for those two years. And it was hard for us, especially when you're a preacher sitting on, in a pew, and you're always preaching, and it gets people irritated when you start preaching while the preacher's preaching. But one thing we did is, is when we had time to go to the altar, they, we would always go to the altar. It's just kind of one of those things that I just, if somebody's getting saved, I, I still go to the altar. If there's an salva- altar call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I still go. It's just something about doing that. And so I would always go, and every time I would go to the altar, a group of people would crowd around us. And they would start praying, and they meant well. And I, please don't, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. But they would always pray, and they would pray, you know, prayers, God, help this broken man. Help this, help the, let him help him to get through this tough situation. Lord, help him to, to rise up, and, and Lord, you're going to do something great. And every single time I was reminded of what I lost. And it was hard to do. It was hard to walk through because you don't ever want to relive the things, that the tragedies you've been through. And so I used to tell Leanne, it's like when I go to church, I'm the poster child for brokenness. Doesn't matter what's happening, just go to Brother Kerry, he's had it worse. And, and that's really one way of looking at it, isn't it? Maybe another way of looking at it is God's way of reminding you, I haven't forgotten you. Maybe it's God's way of saying the world may have gone by, the world may have continued on, but I want you to know I still know where you're at. I still know what you went through. Year after year, he's constantly reminding us, I'm still here, I haven't forgotten you, I'm working a plan out. To some people, the cross of Christ is a crucifixion of a, of a wrongly accused man. But to you and I as believers, our perspective is this, it's the greatest win in the history of mankind. It's the place where you and I were delivered of our sins. It's the place that we were set free from our sins. It was the place that healing was purchased. It was the place that deliverance came to us is when Jesus died upon the cross. So the world may see it. People may see that as the most horrible, horrible thing, as tragic. But you and I, it's really a win. And so sometimes if we realize that God's working a plan out, that maybe he just wants you to know, I just still know where you're at. Maybe that's what helped Hannah get through this particular time. It's a reminder. It may not really be a curse, but it may just be a blessing of how good God really is. First church we pastored, we, um, we left there. And it, we left, and it was just not the best circumstance. And uh, so I, when I drive back through that town, I traveled quite a bit and drive back through that town. It was always a struggle to go through it because I would think about all the, you know, I would think about what never happened or what never came to pass. Until I, and I thought about that until I was thinking about my, my kids one time were talking about all the fun, crazy times we had at Newport. And I was like, we had a whole lot more good times together than we had that, that bad time. We had a whole lot more times together, and I, and I realized that even in the midst of that, there's some pleasant reminders as well. There's some pleasant memories as, as well. And hold on to those memories because those memories are God's gift to you to where you never forget the things that he's done. Memories are precious. Memories are wonderful. Don't ever forget that God's working something out. (laughs) you got to read verse 8. For all the husbands and wives here, listen to what her husband says. She's going through this and she's struggling. And here's what her husband says. Hannah, why why are you crying? Why don't you eat something? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? 
that didn't work. How many have ever been there? Somebody's tried to encourage you, tried to, be, tried to help you out, and it really didn't help. I mean, it's kind of like if, I don't know, I can't think of anything in particular, but if maybe a husband was really trying to help his wife when it really wasn't helping. But here's the thing. He meant well, didn't he? He meant well. Maybe he didn't say the right thing. Maybe it came out a little awkward, but he still meant well and was trying to help. Listen, when you're that one going through tragic circumstances, let people help you. It may seem like it's awkward. It may seem like it wasn't the right thing to do or to say, but can I tell you something? They really mean well. If you're on the other side, and you're, there's somebody that you know of going through tough circumstances or a tough time or lost a job or something like that, and you're trying to decide, should I go say something or I don't want to say the wrong thing, can I go ahead and help you right here? Be like Elkanah. Even though it may come out dumb, go ahead and do it anyway. Go ahead, and it may be, seem awkward. It may, it may seem like you're not sure if it's the right thing to do, but can I tell you something? At the end of the day, they mean well. Let me read to you Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. If you want to know what gets us through tough times, if you want to know what gets people through death and divorce, if you want to know what gets people through sickness and, and loss and heartache, it's you. You're the very thing that gets us through it. And so if you'll just keep being you, and you'll keep being the elkiness of this world, I tell you, God will get us all through. Amen? In tough seasons, let people help. Now, look at this here. How many have ever heard this? When something bad's happened, they'll say, well, the Lord didn't do that. Well, that wasn't the Lord's fault. Sin's not the Lord's fault. You know, well, the Lord didn't cause sickness. That's not something the Lord did. Look at this right here. Verse number 5. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. God was the one that caused this problem. It was his fault, wasn't it, that she couldn't bear children. The Lord allowed it to happen. And there it is right there in black and white. He said it was his doing. I'm sure she asked the question, why, God, why can't I have a baby? Why can't I fulfill that dream? Why does it seem to happen to ungodly people and not to the people who love the Lord? Why was I the only one that was fired in the whole group? See, the thing is, is even in the midst of that, when it was God's doing, I want you to know this, he's got a plan. Remember who Samuel was? He had to do something really special in Samuel's birth because Samuel was going to be a special person in the nation of Israel. So in his mind and in his all that he foresight, he saw that he had to do it this way so that people would recognize that Samuel really was a man for after a man that would, would be used to serve God. God's always got a plan. He doesn't have to do it our way. Matter of fact, if he did it our way, it probably wouldn't be right. But he does it his way, and his way is always the right way. So even when you say, God, why? God, how? God, did you plan this to happen? Is there a possibility in all the microcosm of God's understanding that he did it because he's got a purpose he's working out? I think every one of us would agree, absolutely yes. Yes, God's got a plan. I had a guy used to, on his emails, he used to send his emails. At the end of it, he'd give a little ditty there. And his little ditty said this. It said, plan your work and work your plan. And I believe that's exactly what God does. God plans his work. Not just the work of salvation. He plans the work for each individual one of his people. And not only has he planned his work, but he's also working his plan. 
Today he's working out his plan in your life. He's working out the things that are going to happen, the people he's going to bring into your path. Hallelujah, the good-looking woman he's going to bring in your path. The strong man, a godly man is going to bring in your path. He's working things out to get those things to, to be. But sometimes it takes God a little bit longer to his plan to come, for us to see his plan than we are really accustomed to. So don't worry. God's working his plan out. He's planned his work and he's working his plan. See, Hannah knew that Samuel was special just because of the circumstances around his birth. There's a lady who's been here. Her name is Vicki Parker. How many have ever heard of Vicki Parker? I did not ask her if I could tell this story, but she's shared it, so I'm going to say it's, it's public knowledge. Vicki grew up in a very abusive home. She was, had a very abusive father. She grew up with abusive, uh, abusive family members. It was really not the life you would ever want for any young girl. And so she um, really grew up in tragedy. And as she grew up and she, you know, raised her kids, got married and raised kids, there came a day where she just began to get a burden for some young ladies, young ladies who've been abused, young ladies who've been through tragic circumstances, young ladies who've made decisions that they're going to regret the best of their life and they need somebody to help them walk them down that road. Now, if I was thinking about what kind of people would I use to help that type of a person, who would I pick? Would I pick a person like me? who's never been in a circumstance like that, or a tragedy, my tragedy is not that, or would I pick somebody who's walked that road already and, and, and gone to the end of the road and found out that God will reach, reach anybody or touch anybody that will come to him. I think I'd pick Vicki Parker. And so God picked Vicki Parker, and what she's done for the last 20, 25 years is she's helped young ladies walk down that road. See, that tragedy she went through, God somehow could have stopped that, but he allowed that to happen because he knew there's going to be somebody else walks that road, and i got to have somebody to walk them down that, that, down that street. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He said, well, God, could, he could stop everything. He could stop every heartache. He could stop every struggle. But the thing is, there's hurting people that need somebody to help them walk down that road. You know why people who've been fired, you know why they can have compassion on those who, who, who are fired, get fired? Because they know what it feels like. You know what mothers who, have never, who can't have kids, you know how they feel? You know they have compassion on other women that can't have kids? Because they've been there. It takes one to know one. You can walk that down any vein of life because the thing is, is God knows there's people who need help. And the sin of this world, as horrible it is, it's going to cause uh, ramifications of it. Sin's going to cause all kinds of outcropping. And God's got to have somebody that will help walk another person down that road. If you've had tragic circumstances, I want you to know something. God's got a plan, and even though he may have allowed something to happen, he just knows that there's somebody else that, he can, that you can help through what you've been through. Now, some of you are going to say this. You're going to say, Pastor Kerry, I hear what you're saying. I got it. Tell me specifically what I got to do right now. What do I do in the midst of this? How do I endure in the midst of, of waiting on God to work his plan out and, and all the things, the other things you say? Here's what I do. Every day I get up. Every day I talk to the Lord. Every day I ask him to help me. Every day I do my best to love my family. Every day I, I, I do my best to love the Lord. I'm not a hypocrite. I really do love the Lord. Every day I get up and I serve and I give and I read. What are you saying I got to do now? You ready? 
You ready? Most important part of the sermon, don't miss this part right here. This is the part that you're going to want to write down and tweet. Do the exact same thing. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep moving forward. Don't give up on God yet. Keep giving. Keep loving. Keep asking. Keep talking. Keep keep getting up every day. Keep doing what you're doing. I like the scripture that says it like this. Therefore, in Ephesians, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having having done all to stand. And there's a period there, and the next word is stand again. So I'm going to take the period out just because in the original Greek, they didn't have punctuation. And having all done to stand, just keep standing. Just keep standing. But I'm hurting. Come on, just keep standing. But I don't know when it's going to end. Just keep standing. But how am I going to get another job? Just, just, Just keep standing. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to come that you give us the capacity to endure, to persevere, to not give up, but to hold on tight. And I pray today, and thank you as we've talked about these things, I pray this will get on the inside of us, God, to to, to have stay in power. Lord, I pray for those today that are struggling, those that are going through tough seasons. Maybe they've had dire circumstances, no matter what it may look like. But I just pray you'll give them the courage to keep on keeping on. I pray there'll be joy in the journey. I love you for it all. I pray once again, Holy Spirit, come. Have this way, have this time. Remind us again of the goodness and the grace of the blood of Christ. And so we love you for it. We ask it in his name. Everybody said amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.